The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Everybody and welcome back to Cancelled Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for Crave Online and uh, What the Flick and uh, IGN and uh, everybody calls me Bibbs. And uh, I'm Whitney Seibold. <laughs> and uh, I'm also a film critic of some stripe. I've appeared on the radio. Which legitimizes me. Fancy, fancy. Terrestrial radio, ladies. Ooh, that's the real radio. (laughs) Yes. This doesn't count. There actually has to be an office building for that. Not one of those fancy satellite radios. Mm. Uh, this is. Uh, <laughs> I also write for various outlets. For various outlets idea. as well, and uh, we are we are starting a brand new theme month mm. here at Cancel Too Soon. In fact, we're actually getting started a couple of days early. Uh, all of September and apparently the last couple of days in August, we're only mm. going to be reviewing television series that were canceled last season, which happens a lot. Every season, most shows that get greenlit don't make it past the first mm. season. You're going to notice this. And especially now that there are 850,000 channels, Mm -hmm. they're desperate for content. They're going to fill it somehow. And uh, that means there's just more fodder for us. That's right. They're just just taking a shovel or shoveling coal right into our own furnaces. And every single year when these shows get canceled, there's always this flurry of, there's two kinds of reactions. There's either, oh man, I can't believe they canceled that. That was my favorite new show of the season. Mm -hmm. And there's also, that was on? Yep. That was a show? No kidding. <laughs> there's huh. the, there's just the glut is so thick yeah. that you can't you can't see through all of it and you can't get to all of them. And it's and you know we review a lot of shows from like back when television only had a handful of channels and so um you know it, it's 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 harder for them to like disappear into the ether <laughs> the same way but we like still, you, we still know about Manimal to this day. Yeah, exactly. But like seriously like it's all of these shows that people are upset about being canceled now are going to be gone in, from the consciousness in five years. They're going to mm. be lucky if anyone remembers two of them. <laughs> uh, but we wanted to review a bunch of them while they were fresh, while we had a bunch of requests to review all of these shows. And we're going to mm. start off with a, and, uh, a program mm. that was one of the first shows canceled this season and was the first show in which we had just a, an onslaught, a glut of requests. Oh my God, I can't believe they canceled this. You have to review this and cancel too soon. Mm. And which we got last year as well. But mm. uh, this one is uh, one of the more critically acclaimed. Yeah. One of the more beloved. Yes. And uh, one of the more canceled. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, and it is a little program called Pitch. My kid wants to try out. Really? Just let her throw a few. You okay? We'll never be able to throw hard enough to compete with boys. That's why we need a secret weapon. What you're taking on tonight is nothing compared to what you did to get here. For the first time in history, a woman in a Major League Baseball game. You ready for this? I've been ready my whole life. 
Hitch was a program that aired on the Fox network from September 22nd to December 8th, 2016. Wasn't officially canceled until May. It's a relatively short season, about 10 episodes. 10 episodes. And it was about the first female pitcher to play in Major League Baseball, specifically for the San Diego Padres. Um, and that's kind of the gimmick. It's basically mm-hmm. a baseball show, but it's about someone who is breaking new ground in sports, much in the long lines of, say, a Jackie Robinson, yeah, someone it, who everyone is looking up to, and the pressures of being not only a good baseball player, but a hero to but so it, many people It was mounts. It was staged less as a sports show, though, because there was actually surprisingly little baseball for the show. Like mm-hmm. a, There are very few scenes that actually take place during baseball games. Uh, although they did produce the show with the cooperation of the major of Major League Baseball. Yeah, so this takes place so, at Petco Park, and indeed a lot of it is filmed at a hotel that is like a two-minute walk from Petco Park. That's mm. where like all the characters live, and mm. if you've ever been to Comic-Con, you recognize the whole area, because <laughs> it's right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but it's staged more like a soap opera, and it's more about sort of their interpersonal dramas. It's not just about, uh, her name is Ginny Baker, is the mm-hmm. lead character's name. Uh, it's not just about her and her trials, although it is heavily about that. We also learn about her family and her father and her brother mm-hmm. and, and her, uh, her, the other her, players on her team and the other players and, on, her, players and on her, her team and the relationship with the managers and what the managers yeah. are up to and, and her, her agents. Exactly. And, you know, every, everybody is involved and, all, and they each has their own sort of separate little miniature yeah. drama. It's, it's inside baseball of actual baseball for once, which is kind of fun. <laughs> um, but I think... You mean instead of like an imaginary team? Well, they always say just like, hey, stop using all that jargon that's inside baseball and no one's going to care. You got to mm-hmm. dumb it down. And uh, this is all about Inside Baseball, Inside Baseball, which mm. I think is a, a, a fun treat. Um, I, I think one thing I will say is that I, th- I think maybe you're being a little misleading. Not every uh, episode has a baseball game in it or is about a baseball game, but mm. they know that the sports cliches are important and they hit a lot of them really hard Mm -hmm. to the extent that there are two episodes in a row in which one of the most important plot points is whether someone's parent is going to show up to watch the big game. (laughs) That happens two episodes in a row. It's pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the creative talent behind Mm -hmm. uh, Pitch. Pitch was created by, co-created by Mm -hmm. Dan Fogelman, who has a very impressive career as a screenwriter. He wrote, uh, he co-wrote Cars, uh, Bolt, Mm -hmm. Tangled, Crazy Stupid Love, Guilt Trip, which isn't as bad as you might think. Uh, he also... I, I like Tangled a lot. Tangled's great, you know? So, so, so he's like big studio Hollywood for hire kind of screenwriter. Yeah, right. and he also uh, produced, I think, uh, created uh, Gallivant, which was a two-season mm-hmm. medieval musical series. S- sitcom. Uh, yeah. Like when when things were rotten, that sort of thing. And also the relatively new drama, This Is Us, which everyone loves. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, including my wife. She's yeah, a, she's a big fan of This Is Us, and Everyone she actually she actually also watched Pitch and pointed out some parallels to me. So I can, I can bring those up. Uh, it was also co-created by Rick Singer, who uh, worked on Suddenly Susan, uh, American Dad, uh, a little program about uh, there's a, I think it's a sitcom about a female sports writer and her male friends called My Boys. Mm. Um, so he's got. One toe in that uh, sports uh, oh, mentality. The, the woman working in the all the male dominated field of organized sport. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so good, good crew, good mm-hmm. people behind it, and uh, let's. Uh, it's got a really big sprawling cast. I'm going to try to only hit the highlights right now, just to give you a, an idea of who is in this show mm-hmm. and what they're doing. Jenny uh, Baker is played by Kylie Bunbury from Under the Dome. Uh, didn't she play like twin sisters in Under the Dome, or, or I don't like, know, I didn't a, actually a watch mom it. and a daughter, or something like that. Crazy. I think she played uh, two different roles of like different 
generation. Yeah. She was in a Cancel Too Soon show called Twisted. She was in the movies Prom and The Sitter. Uh... The co-star, I would say, is Mike Lawson, the Padres catcher, played mm-hmm. by a, a actually rather unrecognizable Mark Paul Gosler from Saved by the Bell and NYPD Blue. Uh, <laughs> someone on the production had the really brilliant Jonathan Frakes idea to give him a beard. And it, <laughs> it makes him more look nautical. Makes him look so much more rugged. Like, it took mm. me two episodes to figure out who that was. And And you know what? He's great he's in this really show. He's really good in this show. He, he's actually kind of the, the highlight of the show. Yeah. I think he's really kind of the breakout star. He gives the best performances. He has the most interesting character. Yeah, well, because his character is a guy, he, he's been in baseball for many he's, years to the extent oh, that... Excuse me. Knock it table. off. Uh, he's the Tom Berenger character from Major League. Yeah, he's been in it for a really long time. And in fact, uh, Ginny even had a poster of him on her wall. So while her career is just getting started, his is winding down. He's got bad knees and he's worried about what's going to happen to him after baseball. Is there an after baseball? Mm-hmm. Is there anything any possibility there. Um, there are other, um, and then sort of bridging that gap, someone who's been in major league for a while, but hasn't hit the big time and is nowhere near retirement. There's blip Sanders. For- forgettable, forgettable son. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind, of a, they... kind of a useless character, really. I think he's there to provide context. As I said, just to give you a different element of the baseball I, I experience. Think he's supposed to be the face of the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. And instead of like filling out the cast with like a bunch of eccentric, interesting characters, we have just sort of this one avatar. Yeah. And, and a few other people who are just sort of off to the side. We don't if, hear from the other team. I think if you lot. made it too much like major league and gave every character mm-hmm. on the team, a, a, a personality, a distinctive personality, mm-hmm. it would become too much of an ensemble show and it really wouldn't be about what it's about which is about this woman's experiences i, I would i would have no problems with that but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get on that i think they a made it later i think they made a choice yeah, yeah uh that he's played by mo mccray from sons of anarchy murder in the first and leprechaun back to the hood ah back back to the hood so that leprechaun yeah. six yes which i would argue is uh marginally better than leprechaun in the hood yes yeah. every single one of those movies sucks <laughs> <laughs> That, that it is tolerable is not something to celebrate. Which one sucks least? Which Leprechaun movie is the least bad? The, the I think the Vegas one. Is that Leprechaun 3? Three. 3. Yeah, 3 is actually... 3 actually actually plays with three, the concept three of being a Leprechaun. 3 sucks the least. Well, because it actually... It still sucks, but it sucks the putting least. Putting a greedy Leprechaun who grants wishes in Vegas mm. makes sense based on the actual context. Mm. As opposed to, yeah, we're going to have a Leprechaun versus people in Hollywood who do Hollywood tours and they make shit up. And I'm like, what the fuck does that have to do with leprechauns? You're not even fucking trying. What was that last one even called? It's like Leprechaun Origins or something? Leprechaun Origins. Oh, oh the one that had nothing to do with anything. Yeah. It could have, and could have been anything but a leprechaun and it would have been the same movie. You could have done that yeah, same movie with it, a werewolf. It could have been a mummy. It could yeah. have been a killer teapot. Who knows? Just what unwatchably anything. awful. That is the worst leprechaun. <laughs> I would argue that's the worst leprechaun yeah. by far. Uh, we got off on a tangent. <laughs> but we digress. Uh, Back to pitch. Blip has a wife named Evelyn, played by Megan Holder. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was on the Cancel Too Soon series Ringer. She was also also in Bring It On, Fight to the Finish. Um, she has she gave up her career. She was in business school. Mm. She gave up her career to, to be the to start a family. To start a family with Blip. And now that their kids are just old enough that she doesn't have to like mm. constantly take care of them all the time. Like they, the, they can have, like they can nine, have a babysitter. Like nine-ish. Yeah, they can have a babysitter mm. and it's fine. Um, oh, I guess six, they say at one point they're six and a half. Yeah, like, right. so like, yeah. So it's just getting at the point now where maybe she can start focusing on herself a little bit more mm. and that's going to create some drama down the road. Uh, you have the coach 
Al Luongo, played by Dan Loria, the dad from Wonder Years. Who looks like a baseball manager. Doesn't like he, the, they, isn't he perfectly the, the, cast? The baseball managers look like baseball managers. You know, like they look like craggy, melted cupcakes. You know, they just, look like all the characters in Moneyball who aren't played by big name stars who were well cast. Yeah, yeah. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> These big, um, big potato men. It's fantastic. Uh, let's see here. Ginny has a, an agent, Amelia mm. Slater, played by Allie Larder from mm. Final Destination, Heroes, Obsessed, Legally you, Blonde. You know Allie Larder. You know Allie Larder. She's great, actually. Mm. And she's she's actually got a really good role here where she mm, has she's kind of a cliche role. It's here, a cliche but role, but yeah. it's a strong role and it gives her a lot of it gives mm. her a lot of screen time, it gives her a lot of opportunities mm. to be captivating on camera. Okay. And I think maybe, hopefully, if the series had gone on, we'd have seen more interesting stuff from her. But what are you going to do? Um, she has an assistant named Elliot, played by Tim Joe from the Cancel Do Soon series Glory Days. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is also... Who, who has a few comic relief scenes, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he, he has like one episode in which he finally gets to assert himself and mm-hmm. say, hey, I do work too. Yeah. I, can I get, like, money for this? But and, that's, like, that's all title? he says. I do work, too. I work real, real hard. Well, we're sorry, supporting character. Yeah. Okay, now we've forgotten about you. Basically, he gets to be likable. Yeah. That's his, that's his whole shtick. And then lastly, we have the general manager, uh, Oscar Arguella, uh, mm-hmm. played by Mark Consuelos from Riverdale and Queen of the South. He Ooh. is the sexy, sexy Yeah, I was about to say, he's, he's a good-looking dude. Holy crap, is he <laughs> ever. Um, and he's got to be... And they put him in nice suits and give do. him great hair. He's just sort of gallivanting about, and he was a he was a baseball player. It didn't work out for him. He went into management, and now he has the tricky job of making whatever the higher ups, the guy who actually runs the team, and they run through two of those throughout the mm-hmm. show. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, whatever they want and whatever's actually good for the team, he's responsible for balancing that out, mm-hmm. and it is a thankless job, and no one likes that he has to do it. <laughs> and I really like him. Actually, mm-hmm. I like him as a character. I like the uh, I like the actor as well. Uh, because I can appreciate how much middle management blows. Mm-hmm. Who who can't honestly? <laughs> if you can't appreciate that, you've never been in middle mm-hmm. management. It sucks. So because uh, the... you, you, you produce nothing, you, yeah. you're, you, you, you're constantly at work and you're making sure everything's running smoothly. It is and thankless. No one and you don't really do much. And it's yeah, just, yeah. Well, it's you awful. don't you don't do much that people can see, right? Right. right. But you. You are vitally important to keep this thing running because if you remove that person, mm-hmm. everything does fall apart. But that's kind of their whole job is just keep it together. Mm-hmm. So, and that's it. That's basically it's a behind the scenes workplace drama uh, at baseball. The pilot episode, aptly titled "Pilot." I know that's a pet peeve of yours. I hate it so much. What would you prefer? Like just the if, title if of the show would be fine. Just pitch. Pitch would be fine. Now, here's my suspicion that they it, called it. They called it pitch. It's about a woman. Do you think they were trying to go for a really offensive pun? I think I. I, I have a theory. Actually, we're going to talk about this once we get to the once we talk about the pilot and then mm-hmm. get to the end of the pilot. I have a theory that what this show was originally intended to be is not what it became. No. I I I honestly think that based on what we see in the pilot, they were getting at something a little darker and grittier mm. um, and that maybe they would have played off of the evocative quality of what pitch sounds like mm. as a word um, and that maybe they would have gotten into some harsher territory about because there's this they don't hide the fact that people are misogynists mm. and this is a difficult position for her to be in she's inspiring to a lot of people but a lot of people are also condescending jackasses and she has to deal with that. But well, it's and, very and the, inspirational. In fact, the whole time. A, a lot of the character work along those lines, like when she, like when her, uh, 
I guess we're gonna I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but when the manager character mm. is s- s- seen in an interview saying something a little off color, just saying and, that uh, it's 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 distracting to have a pretty girl in the locker room. And, yeah, and and she she's insanely attractive, and that's not lost on the characters. In mm-hmm. fact, it's brought up time and time again. And I think the people who say these misogynist things are taken to task for it. And I think that the yeah. show is actually really, really graceful about addressing that. Yeah. But I think that there's a darker side that mm. the pilot introduces that we don't get to. So the pilot actually opens with mm. her first game as a major league pitcher. This isn't about her working her way up through the minors, although we do get a lot of flashbacks in most episodes. Which that... is really unfortunate. <laughs> sometimes it's, it's, it's they're useful. It's a bad structure that they stick with really too closely. Yeah, sometimes it's interesting. There's a couple of shocker lost moments where, mm. oh my my God, I can't believe that's what happened. And it turns out they're dead. But, but mostly yeah. it's unnecessary mm. or or you could have done it in less time and it would have been equally effective. Um, or, or just, I I know that the, the rule for cinema and, and by extension television is the show don't tell method. Right. You sort of, you, you show the, you tell a story through the visuals. But I think in doing that, you're you can you're slowing down the drama and actually lessening the impact it would have mm-hmm. if you did if you just had somebody sort of say it in a strong enough moment and we can see the impact it had on their lives mm-hmm. with a line of dialogue. Or you could even just open with the flashback and then see the aftermath yeah, of it, and that, that would be fine. Just get it out of the way. Fine, yeah. Do it all at once. There's a couple episodes that I think justify the flashback structure, mm-hmm. but usually it's completely unnecessary. Yeah, like the last episode was such a pain. It's like, oh, oh yeah. we're, we're in this interesting spot. Oh. Oh, 36 hours earlier. I hate it. I, okay. That's such a lazy yeah. screenwriting gag, too. And they do it in like five of the ten episodes at least. I know. Um, it's it's tricky because when you have that gag, when you start off with a really interesting situation, mm-hmm. and then you got the 36 hours earlier or whatever it is, and you, it's basically we have a really interesting idea for a story, but we don't have an idea of how to open it. Mm. That's all it is. We don't know how to open it, so we're going to open it in the middle, and then we're going to let you walk through all the boring stuff, (laughs) and then we're going to get back to it. I'm just like, just start it. And this is something the pilot does actually rather well. It starts right in the middle of it. The intensity, the uh, excitement of her playing her first major league game. She's going to play her first major league game. It's a big deal. It's absolutely incredible. The the media is everywhere. Everything is being micromanaged. Um, It's interesting because the announcers are at turns excited and kind of condescending as well because they're talking Mm -hmm. about, well, my wife and daughter are watching baseball for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, oh, I wonder how much my TV costs. I just want to punch it right now. (laughs) Like, I just know. And and this this was a Fox show, and these are like, Mm -hmm. I think it's Fox Sports kind of satirizing themselves a little bit. I'm sure. Uh, but there's also other uh, pundit, like there's a female pundit who has a recurring role who mm. we only we only ever see on a TV screen. Yeah, who uh, like and I'm sure is, she's is con- I'm sure she's condescending real... b- back to the men is like oh yeah. and these little men they just can't handle it. I guess they're on their period. You know and, she says really condescending things. And about I'm sure the she's men. a real pundit or something, and we just don't know her name because mm. I'm going to tell you right now, mm. not a sports guy. Oh, I I don't follow baseball. I know the rules of baseball. I could At play a baseball I know how the game, game is badly. Played. Yeah, I, I know how I I know how it works. Yeah. Uh, I love. Okay, I'll say this right now. I love sports movies mm-hmm. because in a sports because sports are kind of inherently cinematic. They're just yeah, they, visual, exciting they're competitions. Just, they're just dramatic. They're yeah. dramatic, little miniature dramatic moments. But when you're watching a baseball game or football game or a soccer mm-hmm. game or whatever in real life, mm-hmm. um, if unless you have like a dog in that race. It's just a bunch of people playing a game. Mm. If you have a dog in the race, if you have a team you've been rooting for since you were a child, if you know why winning this boxing match is important for boxer A, Mm. it gets really exciting because you know what's at stake. 
I don't follow sports that closely, so I don't know what's at stake. But I'm watching a movie or I'm watching a show yeah, like Bitch. I know what's at stake. Sum it all up real quickly. It's a big yeah. deal. And when and what is at stake here is that it's the first game in which a female pitcher is playing for the major leagues. In fact, I think first full game in which a woman's playing for the major leagues at all. Although, uh, and they point this out in the show, and sadly I don't know my baseball history, but evidently there have been many, many women who have played in minor leagues or in other leagues or yeah. like startup games and stuff who haven't been necessarily allowed to like sign the big contract with yeah. Major League Baseball. It's still a big first, but, but it's, it's not like completely unprecedented. It's not completely unprecedented. Yeah. Just, just so, you know, the... the Detail-oriented listeners don't get on our backs for for getting for not knowing baseball history. So I know there's precedent. So Ginny is going from her hotel to Petco Park, and by the way, again, that hotel is a two-minute walk, and so, they yeah. drive it, <laughs> which is just funny. Um, and uh, she's getting ready. There's all this uh, excitement. Mm-hmm. She's meeting her team, and they're being kind of condescending jerks about it. They're, but they're, they're trying, not. They're trying to be very welcoming. They're, but but they, they're they're unsure as to how to handle this. But they're also a little piggish at times. She mm-hmm. she vetoes the ass slapping right away. Yeah, <laughs> she's just like we're not doing that. I was watching, well, the and Mark pu- Paul Gosselaar has a speech right at the beginning. It's yeah. like I, I, he slaps her ass. He's like, you don't do that, and he's like, yes, I do. I slap his ass. I slap his ass, and I'm gonna slap your ass. And she says, okay. And and he kind of, and when she says okay, he kind of realizes, wait, maybe I shouldn't do that. Yeah, and by the end of the episode, he says like he tells his coach, "Don't slap her on the ass." She doesn't like that. Yeah, he's, he's, he's come around. Um, but it's a, the great little acting moment for Mark Paul. Like he doesn't say anything. He's just like, oh. You said okay. That makes me feel bad about what I just did. Well, because like what what's happening is that Markwell Gosser thinks he's playing the bigger man by treating her the same way he treats everyone else, and in theory that works great. But if the way you treat everyone else doesn't work at all in this context, you do need to change your behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he has to come to terms with that. Like initially, I thought Markwell Gosser's character was going to be maybe not the villain, but more of an antagonist character. And very quickly, he falls into place and mm-hmm. becomes more of a more of an interesting mentor to Ginny. Yeah, very that, I, I like their I like their relationship the yeah. best and I wish there was more of it frankly yeah um, um yeah. so again she's about to play her first game she meets uh the the guy in charge of the team played by Bob Balaban for the first few episodes and that's great <laughs> um he's good in everything I love a Bob Balaban always wonderful uh, and he's very much you we, know, and you both you and I both have gotten to interview him on oh, separate nice. occasions. Yeah. I interviewed Bob Balaban and I took him aside beforehand and I was just like I just say you know I loved the movie Parents and he was like oh you must be a very weird person. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was great. Um, I got to interview. Uh, the, the, sorry, I got to stop and brag. But uh, this was for that movie, The Monuments Men. You know, the one that was oh, released yeah. in January that nobody liked, but had a great cast. Amazing cast yeah, in that so, movie. It wasn't a great movie, but my god. The but cast. yeah, I, I got to do the press junket for that, so I got to talk to the guy who wrote the book. I got to talk to Matt Damon, and uh, in one room, all three of them together, Bob Balaban, John Goodman, and Bill Murray, like mm-hmm. all in all in chairs surrounding me. Mm-hmm. I'm an inch tall, <laughs> <laughs> trying to shout to be heard. Those are titans, and and I f- I feel that I had a roaring success just because I did not completely lose my cool. Look, all those guys have been in the industry for forever. Yeah. They know what they're doing. All you got to do is get to the end of the interview and you'll be fine. Yeah, and, and sadly it was like seven minutes with the three of them together, which is a pain in the that's, ass. That's like but... barely enough time to ask each of them like one question. Yeah, so I got, I got like two questions for each of them, yeah. and I, I think I was good. Yeah, no, you did and, good actually. And Bill Murray did not look bored, so I was really glad. Yeah, Bill Murray is a tough interview. Like he will, he will, he will, he will. It will be hard to disguise if mm. Bill Murray is bored. He's not that good an actor. <laughs> <laughs> well, so he, he is. He just you know no, doesn't kidding. give an f. He doesn't give it. He doesn't give a fuck. So uh, back to pitch. 
She's about to play her first game, and the anticipation, they've done a really good job of building the anticipation. The anticipation is mounting. We've had flashbacks with her as a little girl, and her uh, her father realizes that his son has no talent for baseball, but that well, she and does. No, and no interest either. Yeah, yeah. but that she uh, does, and so he's really gung-ho about training her. Her father is named Bill. He's played by an actor named Michael Beach, who uh, is quite good. Yeah, he's really, really great. You've seen him in a lot of things. He was in, um, oh, what was that, uh... <laughs> no, no. What was this one medical show? I'm gonna. I'm blanking on here. Oh, Third uh, Watch. Third Watch. He was on like a hundred episodes of Third Watch. He was mm-hmm. on the 100. He was the voice of Mister Terrific in the Justice League cartoon. Uh, he he was in Lean on Me. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, and so we're finally there. She's at the mound, and her first pitch is wild. Uh huh. And you think, okay, like, okay, way they, outside the batter box. They played yeah. with our expectations. Okay, seriously though, batter, she's gonna batter. be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's terrible. Yeah, she gets her big break and she sucks. She she blows it completely. They have to take her out of the game like and right it's, away. It's not that she's a bad player, and the big twist is you know the big reveal is that she's just sort of a, a mm. mouthpiece or she's an untalented somebody that no. they plug. She is talented. She's just choking. Yeah, it, the she, the, pre- the pressure has gotten to her, and she cannot throw straight in yeah. um, in these circumstances. So uh, everyone's kind of freaking out. Mm. Uh, she's going to get another shot, but will she get another shot if she blows it? Who mm. knows? Uh, meanwhile, her father well, takes she, her aside. Yeah, she, she's taken out of the game because she's yeah. just not good enough. Yeah. And her father comes in later that night. He saw the game. He's very disappointed in her. She yells at him for making her about nothing but baseball, and she doesn't even know who she is anymore. Mm. And then he just says, you done? Okay, now let's practice. And then they, <laughs> they practice, and she pitches to him like super hard, and she's mm. getting her mojo back. And then she goes back on the mound. Next game. First pitch is wild. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's still really good drama. And then Mark Valgalzer goes up to the mound, gives her like a, a bit of a speech, mm-hmm. and uh, then she's great. And his speech is about giving a speech, which I think is kind of a cute meta yeah. moment. It's a it's a nice little bit. Mm-hmm. And then she, she throws the pitches, and she's great. And mm-hmm. the episode ends with... <sighs> Dad was a ghost. As it turns out, Dad was in a car wreck when she was younger, and Dad died in a car wreck because he didn't have his seatbelt on. Now, this is the big uh, twist ending of the pilot episode, and I'm watching this. also the big twist ending, as informed by my wife, of This Is Us. Oh, no kidding. There was, at the end of the pilot, It's re- we're following two sets of characters, and they haven't interacted yet, and it turns out one of the sets of characters was from about 15 years earlier, ah. something they hadn't previously established, and is the parents of the younger characters That's now grown up. Uh, and the show actually, however, moves forward with that drama, because what happened in the past affects the future. Yeah. This comes out of left field. <laughs> uh, isn't that cute? Baseball metaphor number one, mark your scorecard, with a big K, Mm -hmm. Uh, and it it, feels really cheap. The instant you see it, it's like, oh, it's Ghost Dad, that's dumb. Yeah, it is dumb. And and it's, it's dumb, it's cheap, and the show doesn't use that to its own advantage. They never go back to it. They never mention it again. He's dead now, and we learn more about what happened in the past, but it's all kind of useless to the main drama. Yeah, it's so It doesn't enrich what's happening in the present. Which is why I think it was supposed to be important that they decided after the pilot to ditch it. Mm. Because that is a huge, big reveal Mm. that tells you a lot about her and her character, and then they never mention it again. Mm. I thought, after watching this pilot, here's what the show is going to be. Here is a woman who has been so driven Mm. to be the best 
that and and her dad was a big part of that and his death left a mark on her i'm not saying she doesn't know he's dead but i do think she's having hallucinations and she's interacting with them Mm -hmm. and that is a sign of serious mental illness like you actually should be in therapy so i thought it was gonna be more like the scout yeah if the character was gonna keep on coming back and she was gonna have conversations Mm -hmm. people would hear her having conversations and you weren't sure how well she was and that would be an issue because maybe she's kind of interesting she's the best picture ever but we have to keep this under wraps because Mm -hmm. people don't know that she's not all there and then we have her see a sports psychologist something she does later in the show and she doesn't mention that she saw a hallucination of her ghost dad and interacted with him I don't think it was a hallucination but they could have pleaded that way I think it was just sort of her picturing how her father would have reacted to the situation it plays like she's talking to him Mm -hmm. like she's interacting with him there's a knock at the door and she answers it that's true and and they do have that sort of Tyler Durden moment where she's uh, like we see the scenes again with the father absent. Yeah, when you play it like they do in in a movie like Fight Club or any other movie where it turns out character B was all in someone's head, mm. you rewatch the scenes from without them in it, and then you realize just what is going on and kind of the depth of the human tragedy that led to this experience in the first place. And you realize Ginny has some serious problems that we need to address and the show will literally never bring him up again. And I well, think it was going to be more yeah. severe than that originally. I, I Maybe so. I'm kind of glad they distanced themselves from that. I wish they had done it even more, in fact, and not brought up her past anymore. Mm-hmm. But because there's more episodes with more flashbacks, and the father does come back, yeah. and we learn about her brother and a best friend she had, and her mom mm-hmm. plays a role in one episode. And mostly no- it's unnecessary. None of that has any play uh, as to what's going on in the present. Mm-hmm. It, it There's adds one a that little, does because a, it builds to a plot point where it turns out someone she dated when she was in the minors li- is important later. A little bit. A little bit. But you it could have done it in faster it, or with less, but it's important. Faster with less, maybe just mention it. You, we don't need like a third of each episode devoted to this story that's mm-hmm. not propping up the main drama. Um, okay, so in episode two, mm-hmm. uh, we, we got to kind of backtrack a little bit and we're kind of because the first episode was really intense and now we're mm-hmm. just kind of seeing the behind the scenes stuff they're going to play more games mm-hmm. uh blip uh who is Ginny's best friend on the team um he has a magic shirt this is the subplot second episode <laughs> so, magic it's, shirt it's it's a grandmaster flash t-shirt that he has never washed and that's his good luck charm now i'm glad that they brought up good luck charms and how superstitious a lot of ball players are sure that's fine yeah and you 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 put a, a subplot around that. That's fine. Why doesn't Ginny have that? Mm-hmm. Why isn't it her story? Because Blip is. We're told he's important and he's gonna have something to do. But they actually have absolutely nothing for him to do. So second episode, magic shirt, magic shirt. Even his wife makes fun of it. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like tell me. It's like I can't play without that shirt. I'm like tell me again about your magic shirt. <laughs> and he's just like I, I know how it sounds. <laughs> My Grandmaster Flash shirt. Uh, this is the episode in which we see, see how Ali Larder's character came to represent Ginny. It turns out Ali Larder don't don't care. I care a little because there's one there's okay. one moment that mm. is both good and terrible at the same time. Um, she was she was a, a big Hollywood agent, represented a lot of movie stars. Mm. Um, her husband divorced her because they couldn't have kids, and then while well, she's and, at and, and she I think they were both too careery at like. I'm sure that's part they, of it. They weren't able to settle down in the way At the wanted. breakup, she seems genuinely hurt by mm-hmm. it. And I think as a result, that that's important to her. And then she sees Ginny on television in the minors, and it's very inspiring to her. And she decides she's going to quit her job. 
mm. and manage that girl, even though she doesn't know she needs a manager yet. <laughs> and uh, her her little assistant Elliot mm. immediately yells, "I will go with you!" Like he's mm. in Jerry Maguire, but no one else is doing that scene, and he realizes I, how awkward it is. No, yeah, no one cares. Like he's he's filling like candy dishes or something right. on the side. He's just sort of a gopher in the office. What's really funny though is that the scene at this talent agency, which is like this big meeting where mm. everyone's talking about all their projects. It plays like, I don't know if they're making fun of Hollywood or if they don't know how Hollywood works, which I, makes no sense because this is a show by people who work in the industry. I, well, I think they don't know how Hollywood works. Like, they had to write the scene, but rather than, if, if you're a Hollywood screenwriter, like, you write for a living and you write in hundreds and hundreds of screenplays mm-hmm. and you have to write a scene at a boardroom, right. you're immediately going to go to something very specific that you've experienced mm-hmm. and you know you can't write that. Yeah. So you have to either change the details of a specific story which people would still be able to read mm-hmm. as, you know, them, like people you work with, or you have to do what they did in this show, which is speak in these really vague generalities. Well, I think that they were, I think someone was taking a pot shot at some agents that they knew who knew next to nothing. Oh, maybe Because so. they're talking about, oh, they're setting up this new kids movie over at, I don't know, Warner Brothers or whatever the studio is. Uh, we need to, who, who, we need to pitch them. We need to get them uh, a kids director, but we need someone who's edgy. Who's edgy? Mm-hmm. And someone says, Robert Rodriguez is edgy. Oh. And I immediately would, if I were in charge, I'd be like, you're fired. Robert Rodriguez hasn't been edgy in 20 years and his kids movies are the opposite of edgy you are fired and he's, then some, the next he's person's, made five or six kids movies one is good yeah and, and none of them are edgy and then uh, someone else says well who directed the Rugrats movie I'm gonna be like A you should know that B that's irrelevant as the Rugrats movie came out 20 years mm. ago <laughs> so you are completely off here how edgy is the Rugrats I just vetoed Robert Rodriguez <laughs> <laughs> the rug, the Rugrats is edgy is kind of a larf. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um. Let's see what else happens in episode two. Oh, and that, this is the one where the manager says like misogynist things. That's right. Uh, as, yeah. Uh, as in, and I think it's an old interview. Like he hadn't met Ginny yet. Yeah. He was just talking and, about it in, in general, and, and, and he feels and really bad about it. And, but and he feels bad, and he tries to go to her, and he's not quite successful. But you can see he's well-meaning. And, and I think she's and what's interesting actually, about, actually, like I said before, it's played really well. And what's interesting about Ginny is that she knows that she is in a position of um, significance culturally. She's mm. she's she's not daft, but she's also on a baseball team, and she doesn't want to go against her her coach, who's a good coach. Who actually knows what he's doing. He's been in the industry for a long time. She doesn't want to, like, divide the team. She wants to actually give a statement supporting her coach. And Allie Lauder's like, yeah, that's a bad look. You don't really want to do that. Meanwhile, there was another talking head talk show host who it turns out is uh, the catcher, Mike Lawson's ex-wife. Right. Um, And she wants Ginny to go on the record. Did you name her? I forgot. The Uh, the actor? I forget, actually. Um, She's only in, like, three episodes. Yeah. Um, she actually wants Jenny to go on the record talking about a case of sexual assault that happened in a, in a, a locker room mm-hmm. in which a woman went into the men's locker room by mistake and she was sexually assaulted and everyone's like, well, what was she doing there? Mm-hmm. And she wants Jenny to go on the record about that. And Jenny, of course, feels terrible about that, but she also feels like I, I'm not really involved in that. Mm-hmm. What can I say? And it all culminates in an appearance on Jimmy Kimmel where she's supposed to do this gag bit about yeah, like, redecorating the, yeah, dr- yeah, the dressing like some, room. Some, some sort of, yeah... 
Which is really condescending. I actually don't even know if Jimmy Kimmel would do something that bad. He he wouldn't, and in fact, he would probably encourage what she ended up doing. Uh Like, Jimmy Kimmel would say, you know, you don't have to do that gag thing. It's dumb. Why don't you just speak your mind? Yeah. And then she does speak her mind, and she talks about her coach and how, like, it's, you know, it's difficult. And then she gives a speech about how it's completely inappropriate and how... We we shouldn't teach women to go in the wrong locker room. We should teach men not to rape women. Which is unassailable (laughs) logic. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it's a it's a good episode. Yeah, it's a good. It, it, it and what I like about it is that it by taking it off the field, we finally see. Okay, but seriously, how are you going to well, make this a show? Where's the drama? So we got good drama with mm-hmm. Ginny, decent drama with Ali Larder, really good drama with the manager, and then Blip's magic shirt. The, the problem is when we flash back to Ali Larder by herself before she knows Ginny. She, she's not an interesting character. No. I want to see her relationship with Ginny, and I want to learn about her the way the two they. The two of them interact. I don't need to know about her life before she met Ginny. Yeah. Especially well, in episode two when I don't know her that well I yet. Think, and this is not a good way to get to know I her. I think they overestimated how fascinated we would be by a Hollywood movie star agent representing the first female picture. I'm like, mm. we get it. That's a get for anybody. But I mm. think what they wanted to do but was... The, I want, the I think, a- this is about a female picture. It should be her story. I know. I her think- agent is... You know, quandary. I to think all of the this. idea that they were getting at, and I, I think they kind of air. I think they not airball. What, uh, pop fly this. Swung on and miss. Swung and a miss. All right, there you go. <laughs> baseball. Uh, we are baseball. I think they were trying to articulate the way that Ginny inspires people, and the people around her actually support her. This isn't someone who is trying to. Uh, manipulate Ginny for financial gain. She actually believes in her, yeah. and that's going to inform their dynamic. And they wanted mm-hmm. to illustrate that. But that you, was can, a good... you can do that with just acting moments. You don't need a whole flashback. Yeah. Anyway. Well, in, in any case, uh, episode three mm-hmm. actually has a good, uh, uh, good little baseball on the mound story. They're in a beanball war. Yeah, p- pitcher. A beanball is when you hit a player. Maybe intentionally. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, when you hit a player, they take a base. That's the rules of baseball. Provided yeah. they're not grievously injured. Yeah. In that case, you're both out of the game. Um, but yeah, and it in certain baseball games, people get mad when you're just you, you're angry at the the batter and you want to hit him. Yeah. And this might be happening between Ginny and a rival pitcher. That's basically that. That's the, the, and, uh, and but and everyone's trying to protect her or like keep her away from it, keep her out of the beanball war. But she wants in it. She wants to be part of the team mm-hmm. and even do some of the well, stuff, and, the rowdy stuff that you shouldn't yeah, be, technically do in baseball. Beanball is not a good thing. It's like no. it's like getting into a fist fight in hockey, and uh, that, yeah. that she wants to be a little naughty on the playing field. Well, it's I not even naughty. It's, it's just it's just like roughhousing. Yeah, that's it's about the roughhousing it's, it's quality. Ba- it's She's, bad for her image. It's bad for who you know everybody wants her to be. But she. And she's not even necessarily into it. She just wants to prove that she can do it, I think, to herself. Uh, We also find out in this episode that the catcher on the supposing team, she used to date him in the minors, and the only reason she dated him is because he said he was actually going to leave the minors. Mm -hmm. And then it turns out he didn't, and he didn't tell her. And And that's the only time a flashback kind of comes into play. It becomes relevant because at the end of the episode, she confronts him, and they have it out, and it talks about why she doesn't date well, she doesn't date her fellow players for obvious reasons, but she did learn the hard way. Yeah. Uh, and But at the end of it, he also says, I've been trying to call you, 
my cell phone was hacked and people have selfies of you. And we like don't... N- nude selfies of yeah, you. Yeah, he doesn't which, specify, which come, but the which implication comes up is... like in five more episodes that'll come back. But yeah, yeah, yeah they, they, it comes back eventually, but it's just like, oh God, everything I've ever done is relevant now. God mm. damn it. You know? <laughs> and, that's, and it's fair enough. And they're actually going to deal with that eventually in a, in a pretty good way. Again, but we didn't need that setup necessarily. We could have had the off-screen boyfriend in the episode as we got it later mm-hmm. and still have had all that drama. Potentially, yeah. I could just mention it. Oh, crap. You know, uh, once when I was in college, I was lonely and I sent a picture of my breasts to my boyfriend and it's definitely me. You can see my face. I feel like... And now they're out there. I feel like they're trying to make every little thing that happens in pitch feel super dramatic because your phone is ringing. Oh, excuse me. Let me turn that off. Um, But they're trying to make every single thing that happens super dramatic because otherwise you run the risk of it just being a, a workplace drama. Yeah. So you're trying to build everything up, and sometimes it works better than others. This is also the episode in which Al, the coach, saves his job. They were going to get rid of him because uh-huh. he was kind of a PR nightmare. He was an old fogey. He was talking about... Oh, Whitney. Oh, Whitney, you're killing me, buddy. Sorry, sorry. Killing me, Smalls. <laughs> baseball reference. <laughs> there you go. Hey, it's a reference to a baseball movie, right? There you go. It is. Major League Two, right? Yeah. I haven't seen The Sandlot. I don't no, know. No, you've never seen The Sandlot. No, Sandlot's really good. I think it's after my time. You should watch The Sandlot. Maybe I should. It holds up. You're getting a son. You're going to watch The Sandlot eventually. <laughs> That's going to happen. Um, but anyway, Al was at the risk of losing his job, and then he ends up saving his job, and ironically, getting Bob Balaban fired. Ah. Uh-huh. So Bob Balaban is going to end up being replaced by that one guy from Entourage. So yeah, the like a. Uh... A younger, kind of sleazier, fast talk. Looks like he has no talent, but he's actually kind of intelligent. He knows guy. how to he knows how to do business, but he doesn't know anything about baseball. So he mm. keeps asking for things that are technically impossible. Mm. But uh, the general manager still has to do them anyway, mm. and that creates some friction. And that's kind of okay. It uh, kind of works. Uh, actually, I wrote down. Although, in- as much as I love Bob Balaban, I actually like that young character a little bit better. Well, Bob Balaban is just kind of. The guy in the suit who's standing in everyone's way, whereas he's kind of uh, pushy and insistent. Whereas this guy is a, a little yeah. more lighthearted, but you can—he knows he's kind of clueless. Yeah, uh, the character is Charlie Graham, played by Kevin Connolly. Kevin Connolly, that's um, him. who was also on the Cancel Too Soon series. Great Scott, starring Tobey Maguire. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's going to be a big changeover. At this point, I had written down in very, very giant letters. You can see it here. Where is Ghost? Where is Ghost? Yeah, he's just gone. I just—how do you never bring that up again? Uh, episode four, there is an all-star game. Mm. And Ginny, by popular demand, even though she's a rookie, she's an all-star. Everyone knows her. She's one of the most famous people on the planet. Uh-huh. So she's called in to be a part of this team. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the catcher, uh, he has to bow out of it. Mm. And Blip thinks it's going to be him. Turns out it's Ginny. How awkward. And then it is Blip after all. Blip needs to go in anyway. Mm. And then his wife is mad at him because they were going to go on vacation. And Blip does not have good subplots. Oh my god, Blip. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a good, there's a good speech here Al has to uh, Jenny but, but about... Blip, um, Blip broke in from like a UPN sitcom. Mm. Like there's a UPN sitcom about like a put-upon all-star baseball player. I would watch that sitcom. That's yeah. actually a good idea for a sitcom mm. about just a guy who just never gets the big breaks. Uh, yeah, yeah. You got something there. Um, there's actually a good speech Al has to Ginny here where she's talking about how they want to be an all-star game but I'm not an all-star that should go to Blip he's been here for longer he's more famous he's more popular mm. and and Al's just like let me tell you something I had to cajole my wife into getting my first date she wanted nothing to do with me and then she married me eventually 
take the pity date. <laughs> it doesn't matter how you get the date. It matters what you do with it. I, I love that his inspirational speeches, and he has another one later when he takes her out to dinner, all of his inspirational speeches are about kind of how fat and pathetic he is. <laughs> Tell you what, you know, you got a big shot. I'm a big, fat, pathetic guy. I'm old. My knees don't work. I can manage a baseball team okay. Do do the good thing while you can, because I got nothing. (laughs) Think of the poor, starving, fat baseball managers. Uh, In this episode, Ginny's mom shows up, and we find out that there was a lot of friction with her mom. Mm. Uh, Her dad made her choose between doing girly stuff and baseball stuff. And mom Mm. was all about the girly stuff, going to prom, etc. And Ginny, when put on the spot, chose baseball. And they've always had a rift. But it turns out she also saw... It's actually... Not that bad. She saw her mom laughing with another man once and assumed her mom was cheating. And now that her mom is back, it turns out she's actually dating that dude. Now she's dating that dude. And it's been like at least 10 years since her dad died. Uh, I would say yeah, about, about, it's I been a while. I forgot the actual timeline, but it's been a while. And she was a teenager. Now she's in her mid-20s. It's been a while. Mm. Mom's allowed to date, I think. But it's okay. It's well, awkward. It's weird. And you're going to have that conversation. The implication was she was already dating that guy mm-hmm. while dad was still alive. But we never really explore it. It's, it's not stated explicitly, no. but I think that's the implication. All but, it is is will Ginny's uh, mom see her at the big game? Turns out no. And mm. uh, mom actually has a really good speech mm. about how... You know, you you do this, you do baseball, and that's great. That was the thing you did with your dad, and you've basically, we've had nothing to connect about. Mm -hmm. You're my daughter, and I love you, and we have nothing to say to each other, Mm -hmm. and that kills me every time. And that's fair. Here's how you handle that episode. Mm. (laughs) You wait until season two, Mm. when her long-lost mother kind of reappearing in her life is kind of a bigger deal, Mm -hmm. and we have lived with her long enough to ask questions about where, you know, a little bit more about what her parents. Yeah. Or she maybe she sees Ghost Dad, and now we're finally asking, where's Mom and all this? Yeah, is, does she and have then, a ghost mom as well? And then you have an entire episode, no subplots, devoted to just her and her trying to reconnect with her mother. That'd maybe, be fine. Maybe one subplot. That'd be fine. Like, there'd be like, there's a whole episode of looking in which two characters just take a break and go deliver a car somewhere, and it's just them interacting for a bit. And after, like, a season and a half, you can get away with that. Yeah. And you can just take a break from all the drama and just have two characters. Just Ginny and her mom talking could have been enough Mm. if you had built it up for a bit. And instead, it feels a little cheap. It still works because, again, the cast is really Uh. good. The, the cast is really the, good. The, on the ca- show. I'm not going to give any faults to any member of the cast. They're yeah. all really Sometimes good, their characters are a little underwritten or they have some awkward mm-hmm. plots, but everyone is giving it their all here, mm-hmm. and I got to respect that. This is also the episode in which Mike Lawson, the catcher, Mark Paul Gosler, mm-hmm. and Amelia, Ali Larder, the publicist, mm-hmm. uh, they hooked Fa- up. They fall into bed together. Yeah. And at first you think, okay, it's they got to keep this from Jenny. We just mm-hmm. had an affair. It's fine. But then they kind of start dating. And they don't really mean to, but they, they kind of like each other too much. They kind of. This whole subplot that reaches over the rest of the season is really kind of bungled because it's like four false starts. It's like yeah. they they sleep together. Okay, ooh, are, how are they going to deal with this? And they actually kind of like each other. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't it be great if they actually start to form kind of a relationship? And that turns the relationship with Ginny into this weird sort of triangle and people have these sort of shifting loyalties, but in a friendly sort of way. It's not about, you know, backstabbing. Right. Um they handle the first episode or so with these two uh, dating pretty well because they're communicating like adults. Yeah. How do we talk about this? I have these feelings for it. They're not playing any games, and I like that. Mm-hmm. But then that relationship sort of vanishes after a second. Like, it just sort of dissipates. Mm-hmm. 
and they the start intensity show, of it goes away. And they start and showing interest in other people, and there's not yeah. so yeah. So they never really kind of solve that. It seems like they want. It seems like they're talking cross purposes, and they mm-hmm. both are so invested in their careers right now. And they're both so concerned about what the other one thinks they're going to be. There's a part where uh, she's sleeping over at his house. And when she leaves, uh, this is a future episode, Mm. but when she leaves, someone has smashed her rearview mirrors. Mm. And Mike has seen this before. He calls it groupie on groupie violence. Someone else who has a crush on him is mean to someone he's dating. And she's offended because she was just called a groupie. Uh And... I understand why that is. I also understand <laughs> well, that he, he just bat- half-heartedly used terminology yeah. as, a, as a shorthand and didn't realize what he was saying, mm. but she's really upset. And so he gives like a huge gesture where he lets he, he's like got to deal with like a car dealership. And so he gives her like a really nice rental. Oh. And she was just like, don't apologize for calling me a groupie by treating me like a groupie. I'm a successful woman. I can rent my own car. So he, he pulls another gesture, which is actually a little more, more heartfelt and sincere later yeah. on in the episode. So, yeah. Uh, let's see what we got here. Um, um, oh, episode five, Trading Day. This is the Draft Day episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is not as good as the movie Draft Day. <laughs> and Draft Day isn't that great. I like Draft Day. Draft Day is okay, but basically the idea of, of a Draft Day is, if you're not familiar with sports, is there's a deadline by which... Uh, the, major, the major franchises get to essentially bid on star players right. that, in, are, that are, I, I guess, up for grabs in right. terms of their professional careers. But in, in the Trading Day episode, it's specifically, uh, there's, they have a deadline if they want to trade any players. Mm. And with the exception of Mike Lawson, who has a no-trade clause in his contract because he's like a hometown hero, mm. and he's got a really good contract, everyone else can be sent everywhere. And Blip is really worried he's going to be traded, mm. he's going to have to uproot his whole family. And even, so is everybody. Well, and Ginny comes to the realization that she is kind of a property. Yeah. And that's kind of an internal drama that she has. Yeah, and there's a bit is this where... The part, is this the party episode, or is that the next episode? Um, no, that's the next episode. Oh, okay. um, Ginny decides that she's so worried about Blip, and she's like, look, I'm their star player. Mm. They could trade me. They would be stupid to do so. So I'm as safe as I'm ever going to get, and I'm going to use my clout, and I'm going to say, you're not trading Blip. Mm. And then the general manager just says, how fucking dare you? <laughs> let me, you tell, let me explain that. Yeah. Let me explain something to you. We pay everyone on this team ungodly amounts of money. And he even says to play a children's game. This is a game. <laughs> they We pay them for the right mm. to sell them. Mm. And they agree to this when they sign up. So if we say we, if we can get more money and the, he'd be better on another team in Chicago, he's fucking going. <laughs> this is exactly how it works. This is not new. This is not weird. This is not special. It's no player's favorite thing, but who gives a shit? This is the job. You get paid millions of dollars to, <laughs> to throw a ball. <laughs> and he's 100% right. And I love that Ginny learns the valuable lesson to sit down and shut up sometimes because this is literally just how the business works. A little bit out of her her pay grade. There will be times in which she can make a difference and change things for the better, and there are times when, damn it, it's a business and this is how it functions. Mm. And I really, really liked that scene. I think it's one of my favorite scenes in the whole series. It's It's very well written. It's very very good scene. Um, And, And they have the Cuban player. He That's a new character. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, that general manager, he Mm. dashed off uh, to try to recruit... A Cuban immigrant player. He's very, very talented, but he's a catcher. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And Mike is threatened by this, yeah. as you can imagine, and, and because he's, he's and an he's, old player. Yeah, uh, the, the, he's the one knee injury is, away from from being out forever. He ha- he already wears the knee brace. People are he's constantly commenting on how old he is. Others are always constantly commenting on how old he is. Yeah. He's sort of the elder statesman of the team. He's not the coach, but he is the leader. Well, I'm telling Everybody you right now. To him. Uh, spoiler alert: I've, If this show went on 100 episodes, you know he'd be the coach eventually. He'd be promoted to manager, by like season yeah. three. He would be the coach of the team. He would yeah, like take Al's did. place. Tops. Mm-hmm. I would say season two, but like season three, definitely at the end of season two. That's like yeah, the, the, big, the, the big dramatic latest. moment at the end of season two. Yeah, and he'd be good at it. Yeah, he'd yeah, be really he, good. At he it. knows the game. He knows the players. Um, yeah, and yeah, this young Cuban guy is much better. And sadly, yeah. the Cuban guy isn't given much of an arc. <laughs> well, what happens is we're told how great he is, and then when yeah. he finally joins the team, he is great, mm. but he's young, and he's all about himself. He, he has he, to learn to be a yeah, teammate. He, yeah, he has to learn to be a team player, and that's a perfectly good storyline. Like you can't really like, build a movie or anything around no, that. It's, it's kind of like straightforward. It has a few but, scenes about how he needs yeah. to... It, they're fine scenes, well, what but it's it not is, much. What it is is it's, it's an excuse for Mike to grow and realize that his mentor role is kind of all he's got. Mm. Like he's still good at the sport, but this is this is what he's got to lean into, mm. um, and so he has to grow old, not grow up, grow old, <laughs> yes. and let this guy uh, potentially allow, grow allow into his himself shoes. to age. Re- yeah. Realize that his turn is over, and it's somebody else's turn. Um, this is also the flashback episode in which it's oh, like fucking insane. Oh, this... Okay, so it, it, we learn about a friend Ginny had in flashbacks, mm-hmm. and. I thought maybe we'd find out the friend was on the opposing team and we'd have like a new character, a new villain or something. Mm. He's like got some beef with her from a long time ago. But they're really good friends and they watched In Living Color together and how fun was that? We got to see clips of In Living Color in his heyday. Yeah. Thanks, Fox. (laughs) (laughs) They got their own shows. They know what they got. Um, Mm. And then what happens is it turns out his his father is an alcoholic. Mm. So he doesn't take this kid to all their baseball games. And then they're at a baseball game and Ginny's father calls this alcoholic dad and says, Hey, your, your son would love for you to be here. This would mean the world to him. It's another, will the dad show up in time? Well, the dad does get in the car. The, the dad gets in the car. <laughs> he runs a red light. There's a huge car accident. And that's when you realize that's the, car, the car accident that, that killed, killed Ginny's dad. Oh my God. And I gotta be honest here. I know how cheap that is. Oh. It's very effective. Oh, I was watching it like, you sucker. No, I suckered me in. They got me on it. No, it's, it was no, a cheap it's, lost trick, but it worked for it, me. It, it was a cheap trick and no it did not work it was and and again nothing to do with the present it's just explaining something that happened in other flashbacks it's like just remove all that dead weight yeah all right here's what we got here oh so Uh, episodes uh am i missing something uh no we got to the uh the party episode this is the nike deal ah yes so uh, jenny has to deal with nike Mm -hmm. makes sense She's, she's a big deal. She's a star athlete. Yeah. Star athlete. She's the first woman baseball player in the Major League Baseball. You'll, you'll cool. note there hasn't been an episode. There's no episodes about dealing with her personal wealth, like what she's mm. going to do with all this money. No, they, they clear, start getting into it a little bit by the end of the season. They talk bit, about people wanting her to invest in things. This is the first episode where we actually realize that Ginny is a millionaire. Yeah. Like, we don't see like we she's don't doing see her rather well buying mansions and cars well, they, or even start starting you know. 
in like foundations or mm-hmm. worrying about where she's going to put her money or people talking about how she's going to manage her money. None of that up until this point where we realize, oh wait, she just signed like a $10 million contract with Nike to be yeah. the spokesperson for th- their shoes. This is also an episode mm-hmm. in which it's a flashback episode. Mm-hmm. Flashback as in 36 hours yeah. earlier. Okay, so it's the episode starts with Rita Wilson. Hmm. Great guest star. Yeah, Rita Wilson's awesome. As, as the sport shrink and she has to talk to about, uh, talk to Jenny about what happened over the previous 36 hours but we don't know we have to see it through flashbacks and she keeps alluding to vague things yeah. like tell me about the waitress and I'm like oh god what did Jenny do to the waitress I, th- I thought she, I thought she was going to make out with that waitress I thought maybe I that was, thought that was I thought maybe that's happen. where we were going to go yeah. maybe it turns out that Jenny's uh, you know Jenny's gay and we're going to have to deal with that and that's going to be an interesting sort of element of her storyline nope that's not where we're going at all it's actually going to be a little bit more conventional uh, so the story is pretty con- straightforward they get her a fancy dress mm-hmm. they keep referring to the dress and it's mm-hmm. like a $10,000 dress. Oh, I think it's more than that. Uh, I think it's like a spectacularly it's like, expensive It's a spectacularly dress. expensive dress. Yeah, and, it's a uh, rental. <laughs> like, and, and it's like has... when you rent diamonds for the Academy Awards. <laughs> you, don't get, you take really good care of them. And she has to sell Nikes at this big event and there's this, uh, you know, is, is it good for her to show up at the event or not because there was some drama before? Mm-hmm. She goes to the event while she's at the event, she realizes she's a little bit overwhelmed. Mark Paul Gosselaar and Ali Larter are having conversations about what they're going to do. How are they going to talk to Ginny about all this? Yeah, and Mark Paul Gosselaar, uh, who's about to say, hey, listen, I'm starting to feel real feelings for you. Maybe we take this to the next level. Ali Larter takes it kind of the wrong way and just breaks up with them on the spot. It's not worth it. Uh, We're both doing our career thing. It's fine. I'm out. Let's not talk. But, 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 and then I, Blip comes over because he had figured out that he was dating Ali Larter. Hey, I figured out how to make a clock out of a potato. <laughs> No, he's just like, it's some stupid random thing. No, it's not some stupid random thing, but then he's talking about, hey, listen, I think it's great that you're dating Addy Lauder. You're really, really good together. You broke up with her five minutes ago, didn't you? He's like, yeah. yeah. And and, and uh, Ali Larder's uh, little sort of unappre- underappreciated assistant also has a moment where he gets to flirt with a lady. Yeah, and everything's going really well for him, but then Ginny disappears from the party with a waitress who didn't know who she was. Yeah, the waitress br- brings her a drink. Uh-huh. It's a KGB. Yeah. Which is a Moscow mule with frost. Isn't that cute? Vaguely funny. And they sneak off in her car and they drive her to a party that's going on at her house. And she says, Jenny says, aren't you going to get fired? She's like, ah, that job's stupid anyway. Going to run off with this carefree young woman who is her age, a good friend, maybe a potential confidant. They go to this party and she drinks and has a good time. It's the almost famous episode. It's the almost famous episode. In fact, Jenny even jumps in a pool like an idiot. She's filmed jumping into a pool, not wearing Nike sneakers. she's not wearing shoes. And she gets that dress wet. She gets that dress wet in chlorinated water. That dress is ruined. (laughs) So that's coming out of her paycheck. Uh, And She just signed a $10 million contract with Nike. But she she might lose that contract because not only was was she like doing all this stuff but she wasn't wearing shoes she told him if I'm gonna do this crazy pool thing I'm gonna need shoes she borrows someone else's shoes mm. and she gets filmed in those which are not Nike brand yes they're New Balance brand yeah it's good for New Balance bad for Nike <laughs> so everything is terrible and then everyone's looking for her Allie Larder's looking for her Elliot finally sticks up for himself I do all this amazing stuff for you mm. give me a job and a, give me a raise and a title and she's like fine I don't care let's just finish the episode and <laughs> you're, you're slow things down, man. And, and, and it all ends with this waitress actually taking Ginny back to the ballpark, mm. saying, hey, listen, I know you were you were drunk last night, but I also know baseball clearly means a lot to you, and I know you would regret it if you were late to work. Mm. So I just took you right here. And it's actually kind of cool. It's kind of cool, and I wish they had brought the, that character back. Really we have some, somebody on the outside who she can kind of talk to and confide in a little yeah. bit. And then Ginny uh, turns out... <laughs> 
all of this shit got out. Everyone knows that she disappeared. It's a PR nightmare. And she's got to talk to everyone about it. And they say, you got to see a sports uh, uh, therapist. And she's like, why? I just, you know, I felt a little overwhelmed. It's like, well, we actually have this video that you took with this waitress in which you broke down crying because you don't know who you are anymore. Yeah, and you you, you, keep, you, you cry and say, I just hate baseball in this moment. And there's yeah. a great moment where Jenny thinks that waitress has betrayed her. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe she put it on the internet. It's like, no, they, she gave it directly to us because she's worried about you. Oh, <laughs> And and let me, and and also what's kind of cool is that you know the general manager and the coach and even uh, the entourage guy they're just like we've seen this before oh. this happens a lot this is why we have sports psychologists you just have to see the sports psychologist mm-hmm. and Jenny's very apologetic and very just like okay yeah I'll talk to the sports psychologist I have a lot of stuff to work out which completely contradicts the entire framing device in which she is totally totally not engaged with Rita Wilson and trying to say as little as possible. Mm. It's actually really bad writing. That well, bit of it is really bad it's writing. Timed, it's timed to be cathartic, but the screenwriter seemed to have, have forgotten that, that this is a flashback. and she's We've actually, seen how this uh, works. Uh, and then also at the end of the episode, yeah, we it, find out... It would be out, weird for her to have this cathartic moment, yeah, I guess I need to see the psychologist, and then go to see Rita Wilson and completely shut down. Yeah, it, it doesn't mm. work, especially considering apparently it was two minutes later. Yeah, like literally, she was. It's not like a day later. She slept on it. She doesn't feel like maybe I don't need it at all. I feel like I'm okay. It's like right then, right when she was ready to open up to people who weren't sports psychologists. It doesn't play. It's not a great episode. Um, There's great stuff in it though, and it ends with the cliffhanger that her selfies are indeed getting out. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so the next episode is all about her selfies. Yeah, Um, about how. Ellie Larder knows about the selfies, and she knows that this can't be stopped. Mm. Just internet nude selfies are going to make it onto the internet. You can't find them all. You can't scour every single porn site looking for the nude selfies. And so she tries to find the most graceful way to obfuscate. Mm. Or or I guess not obfuscate, but just sort of accept that this is going to happen. Right. Yeah, at first she's she's shocked. But after, you know what, I've been through so much already, fuck it. Like, she, she even said, like, I've been through this with actresses before, and yeah. there's, there's, actually, nothing. there's actually protocols for this sort of thing yeah. now. In fact, what we can do is we can just get a Sharpie and put a mole on your thigh, and we can just point out that in those earlier photographs, you don't have that mole, mm-hmm. and then they'll have plausible deniability that it's not you. And Jenny's like, you're making that up. Oh, yeah, I'm totally making that up, unless you wanna. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> no, it's, de- it's definitely her. <laughs> Um, I'm glad that the show is tasteful enough to never show even a censored version of like the the selfie. Yeah, it's kind they of just, irrelevant. It, it doesn't matter what. And it in fact, like. that female uh, talking head whose mm. name we didn't catch, and I feel terrible about it because mm. probably someone important. Um, like a lot of real baseball people show up in the show. Yeah. Um, she even talks about like all of those photos prove is that she has breasts. Like we didn't know. Uh, yeah. And indeed, Amelia and Mike actually put together a really good plan to sort of just sort of inoculate everyone to this. Yeah. Which is they're yeah. going to have a nude photo shoot with all the members of the team, including the men. Uh-huh. And it's very tasteful. You know, it's all like, you know, well, like behind the shoulder kind of stuff. Well, it's, it's, Thighs in just the right it, position it, that you don't see anything. It's not full frontal, but it is a nude shot. And they're yeah. all like really starkly and it's really sexy. It's and... actually all the men are shot in a very sexy way. Yeah. Like it's actually like nicely mm-hmm. handled. And I'm sure all of those shots my, are now on like next to fact, their headshots. One of my favorite scenes in this whole show is just before the shoot. You know, they, they've all, mm. all the men have agreed to do this. They're all kind of amused by how, what has happened to this team. Yeah. But they all have to do this for publicity. But it's also kind of fun and silly. And they see it not as kind of this titillating thing. Mm-hmm. It's more of a bonding exercise. These men are fun. They're nude in the locker room a lot. Mm-hmm. But now they're doing it sort of in public. 
and they're kind of revealing themselves to be a little bit more vulnerable and a little bit closer. Yeah, it's actually, they're and all really close as a, a team right they, now. There's a little bit of just sort of light banter. There's not heavy dialogue, but they're all, the scene where they're all sort of standing around in bathrobes just before the shoot is about to begin, realizing how kind of exciting all of this is, is a really great scene. It's really warm. Yeah. And it really captures what I think what pitches when it's at its strongest, when it's kind of about the team and baseball and how she's learning to live in this world now. Yeah. And uh, meanwhile... Screw all those flashbacks. Who cares? I want the warmth of the team right here. Meanwhile, LeVon, the Cuban catcher, is on the team now, and he's a total diva, and he's actually pretending not to know English so he doesn't have to talk to the reporters. (laughs) And Mike, in an attempt to, like, bring him down a peg, says... uh, Speaks for him. Speaks for him. I can speak for him. And he gives, like, a completely humble speech that is the exact opposite (laughs) of everything LeVon stands for, and that's a really, really good bet. But but then LeVon turns to him and is like... You know what? Thanks for doing that. I would have been a total dick in that moment. Oh, this is also the ep- the one episode. I'm sorry. This is the only, there are only two episodes in which we have flashbacks that aren't to Ginny. Mm. One was for Amelia, and this one's for Mike. When we find out uh, that and this is again totally, it kind of oh, doesn't God. go okay. anywhere. Yeah. Mike turns out uh, his mom was kind of a grifter. And mm-hmm. she kept, like, shuffling him off on his little league coach, who he finds out at the end of the episode was actually his dad. Yeah. Uh, but he had to go off with his mom. And at the end of the episode proper, he goes to see his dad again, but his dad's with his new family, and he decides, fuck it, I'm not going to say anything. It doesn't enrich the character. It's just extra drama. Well, what what happens is is that Mike is asked, in order to make room for LeVon to be the catcher, Mm. Mike is asked to play first base. And the idea is he always wanted to play first base, but he was forced to play catcher by his dad. But now he's catcher, and he doesn't want to play first base. Yeah, so so who gives a crap, basically. It it doesn't to. We don't need this flashback about his dad to realize he... He likes playing catcher now. Yeah. Or, or anyway. Meanwhile, the GM is because Mike has a has a no trading clause. The GM has to convince Mike that he wants to be traded mm. because the higher ups want this new hot young freshness mm. on the mound. <laughs> hot young freshness. Yeah. So they're what they're trying to do is they're trying to sort of insidiously convince Mike maybe he'd be happier elsewhere, and it's doing an increasingly good job. And it gets mm. to the point where it looks like Mike might very well be traded to Chicago at the end of this episode, which leads us to the eighth episode, which is the rainy day episode. The, not the rainy day, the rained out episode. Because yeah. it, it rains and... In the middle of the game. In the middle... Baseball, the wimpy sport, <laughs> stops playing when it rains. George Carlin has a great bit comparing football and baseball and how, yeah. you know, in, in football, like, it, it could be raining, it could be snowing, it could be meteors falling from the sky, the game will continue. In baseball, when it starts to rain, we don't come out to play. I can't come out to play. So, yeah, it, it's called for rain. I, the, the general manager is upset and wants the guy who runs the stadium, a new character, to be able to get... get Back in the game as quickly as possible because he's losing money every t- for every minute they're not yeah, playing. This guy uh, Russell who yeah. refuses to be called Russ and this uh, and hey the, Russ and the, Russell the dweeby the dweeby entourage guy is like uh, yeah well all I'm just saying is you know, like what will it take to get us out there in like half an hour? It's like rain would have to be less wet. Like <laughs> I'm not going to put you out there if it's not safe for them like to it, play. It would take like it, even when the rain stops, it would take him like 45 minutes to an hour to get played up again because they have to. Cl- Clear it clean, off, clean, clean it, the yeah. Field. yeah. And it says, well, what about the Yankees? Like, well, it rains all the time in New York. They, they're used to that. They have a bigger team. I, yeah. I, we're in San Diego. It never rains here. It's like it's literally happened, like, I think 17 yeah. times in history. Mm-hmm. I think they mentioned it. <laughs> in fact, Mike even says, yeah, they'll trade me to Chicago when, it, when we get rained out. Ha, uh-huh. ha, 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 later that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, everyone's just sort of wandering around backstage, uh, not sure what to do. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, Mike orders a kangaroo court. Turns out in order to keep people interested, they yeah. have a, a mock courtroom in which people get to air their grievances. Right. And uh, it turns uh, out Mike is actually the one taken to task. Yeah. Which uh, he's trying destroys to, him. He's trying to get people to sort of... And it's not just like personal problems. It's like things they did on the field. It's like, hey, why did you make that play? Or, mm, you know, did you not see the call I made? Yeah, yeah, well, and they find them 20 bucks every time they're out of order and then, of course, they turn it all around back on Mike and he gets really furious because he's trying to re- he's trying to stay a leader and people are undermining him. Yeah. And we see how it's weighing on him and I like that moment with Mike. I love Mike! I love Mike and I love Mike, <laughs> Mark Paul Gosselaar as Mike. It's, yeah. it's a, he's a great character and he's being played by a really good actor. Yeah, Mark Paul Gosselaar actually became really, really talented. Mm. So the next episode's became, all about... <laughs> Well, I mean, when he was Zack in Saved by yeah. the Bell, little was asked of him. Uh, yeah, he had true. to be a crazy guy. Okay, well, he wasn't Screech, but he was he was sub Screech. Episode nine uh, is the episode about whether or not Mike will leave. It all comes down oh, to this. Episode eight, we forgot one thing: the reappearance of the brother. Uh, oh yeah, Ginny's brother. Ginny's, Ginny has a brother who never wanted to be part of baseball, mm. has tried to start his own businesses and failed in the past, but now mm. that he has a famous sister, decides to start his own sports bar Yeah, based on, was it called Scrooges? Scroogies. Scroogies. Because her, her, her trademark pitch is the screwball. Yeah, That's so, a terrible name for a bar. I would not go to a bar called Scroogies. That's a bar that stupid frat kids are going to want to go to only because uh, of the name, and then they're going to stop going when they find out the beer is bad. And it's, yeah, it's going to be, it's not going to be a good bar either. No. It's going to be a total dive with a stupid name. And you're going to go there all throughout college you're going to talk about how great it is and then two years later you're going to realize that you were an ass for going to a place called Scroogey's and Amelia is is trying to explain listen sports bars are insanely hard to franchises most restaurants fail even good restaurants fail within a year anyway mm. um, and you shouldn't invest in your family's stuff it's a recipe for disaster yeah, and Jenny's just willing to blindly follow her brother because he's the one family she's got who mm. is supportive of her but she's so busy that he needs not more than her just to invest. I don't know why he, mm. she could just give him a, like a million dollars out of her Nike contract. Well, I but... think it's I think it's in his best interest. So he ends up hooking up with Blip's wife, who was mm. going to go into business uh, anyway, and now she wants to pursue a career. So she's going to invest in this. She's going to help run this, and then as the as the series progresses, she realizes that there's money missing. Yeah, that that Ginny's brother was embezzling maybe a little yeah, bit yeah he was, from, he was from in the, for the uh, mo- from the fund and yeah he, he owed money to so he was loan actually, sharks he was actually using the money for this new business to pay off an old business that had previously failed and uh Blip's wife gets really suspicious of this, and this brings up something in Blip and Blip's wife's drama, and that he wants he, he wants to have another kid. He wants to have another kid, and she says, "No, I'm out. I want to go out." It, it, it's she doesn't want to have another kid, yeah, and that's a tough conversation for for a family to yeah. have. It's if I, you I wish, don't agree on the direction. I the wish I was more take. invested in Blip and Blip's drama to to care about her drama. Yeah, she's more interesting than Blip. She most certainly <laughs> is. Um. So uh, meanwhile, so every, anyway, episode mean, nine. Yeah. Meanwhile, we, everyone's wondering if. If Mike is going to get traded. Mike is actually playing it really coy and he's kind of shut out the whole team and everyone feels like he's already left even though he's here. Mm-hmm. Um, and indeed, it's going to be his last game, probably, unless mm-hmm. he doesn't get traded, which I, looks I wanna, really likely. I want to point out something Mark Paul Gosseler does very, very well in mm-hmm. this series. The moment where somebody, like two people are walking down a hallway, Mark Paul Gosseler's on the left, Somebody turns and says, hey, Mark Paul Gosselaar, and he, he just sort of whips his head around and walks away from them. He does that like maybe eight <laughs> times over the course of the series, and it's great every time. Um, sort of, He's great at turning the cold shoulder. So it all builds up to, everyone thinks this is going to be his last game. All the fans think this is going to be his last game, and he's it's his last time at mm. bat. And 
he strikes out. <laughs> oh, that's it. <laughs> it's, it doesn't hit the ball once. This is the he hits the ball and it's a foul, but that counts as a strike. And it's just oh. like, yeah. And then what's cool is that even though he strikes out, even though it's a huge fucking letdown, mm-hmm. everyone in the audience applauds him anyway. Oh, it's his last time at bat. But so, they yeah, love him. Like, that's really, the thing. It yeah, works. He's a local hero. They so manage to avoid the obvious cliche. Of him, and like, just knocking it, it out of the park. Yeah, yeah it's actually just... Or, 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 you know, making it worse somehow. <laughs> like, he has a freak out yeah. or something. Like, it's just... It's a nice moment. And then it turns out he's not traded. And mm. it turns out he's not traded. Seconds after realizing that he's not going to be traded, uh. he's about to kiss Jenny. Uh, it's it's awkward and it seems a little forced their relationship mm. up to this point had had been warm but it always been more like mentor student or, mm-hmm. or even like brother sister well mike keeps talking mike has had like three sort of relationships throughout this entire series mm. he's got his ex-wife who he's tried to get back with twice mm. even going so far as to recreate a scene from major league and he knows he's doing it and he says he's doing it uh-huh. there's a couple of shout outs to bad news bears and stuff too if you know your baseball movies there's a lot of references <laughs> um and, of course, uh, with Ali Larder, which doesn't work out. And then there's a scene in the Rainy Day episode where one of the teammates says he thinks he's falling in love with Jenny. And Blip and Mike pull him aside. I love this scene, too. And yeah. they just say, no, you don't. And it's like, well, yes, I do. I'm with her every day. How much have you actually talked to her? Because I have talked to her for hundreds of hours. Mm. And I know her infinitely better than you. And I'm not in love with her. And then everything he says kind of makes it seem like he might kind of be in love with her a little mm, bit. A little but bit. it doesn't really sell it too hard. And he even talks about how, like, yeah, you know you know when she's, like, humming that weird thing, no one can tell what it is? That's Katy Perry's firework. <laughs> she cannot sing, which is actually bullshit, because in a flashback we find out she can. That's true. She's singing per- along perfectly well to another song. Okay, I get, make, it's inconsistency. Maybe just not uh, firework. Maybe that's just maybe firework is just completely out of her range somehow. Completely incapable of it <laughs> because a Katy Perry song is out of someone's range. <laughs> um, but yeah, he he realizes that he's close. But I thought in that moment he was revealing that he how close he was to this person and how you can have a healthy, warm, close relationship mm-hmm. and not necessarily have that be a crush. And I like that. And then that kind of betrays. Him but in the next this episode. moment, yeah, it's kind of. But yeah, I like the moment where he says, I have a crush on this this really attractive woman that we're all working with. And we all have to acknowledge that in addition to being a good ball player, she's beautiful. Yeah. And I think and, it's, and it's, she it's, wants to date. We all, in this episode, mm-hmm. she actually goes out on a couple of dates with like a video game billionaire. Mm-hmm. And again, this is and this is right when the show starts just kind of trum, trum, trumble, stumble over its own feet. A little bit. And, and then fall, it, it ends up on its 10th episode kind of landing flat on its face. Well, I think, I think they have a good idea for the last episode. The mm. last episode is, we. it's another one with these like 36 hours earlier episodes mm. where it picks up while Ginny is in the middle of pitching a perfect game. Yeah. Or at least a no-hitter. And then we flashback. Yeah, and that's and well, that the is the same pl- plot as uh, For Love of the Game with Kevin Costner, but anyway. Mm. <laughs> um, and then uh, it turns out that they have run the numbers and run the numbers by the way another new character all of a sudden is oh, yeah. essentially the number crunching guy from the movie Moneyball and they even refer to him as the Moneyball as guy as the Moneyball guy yeah who, who starts studying the stats and saying we can't have Ginny pitch right now because it doesn't match up with the stats but they're still going with the old timey Moneyball guys yeah so, but it's so romantic to have her pitch this rom- this game we need to have her keep pitching just because yeah. it feels good yeah even though seriously uh, she's pitched too much mm. in one season for anyone and we need to actually make sure she's going to have an arm for next season mm. uh, so that's the threat if she keeps pitching, she might hurt herself, her arm, but yeah. she's in the middle of pitching a no-hitter, which is this magical thing that almost never happens. Mm. So what's going to happen? 
Uh, we'll she's get... throwing some balls. She's not striking everyone out. But no, but no one's getting first base. Yeah. No one is getting to first base. You mm-hmm. know, people like catching him and everything's it's working out in everyone's favor. Everyone's getting really superstitious about it. Uh, meanwhile, Mike, who is not being traded, has alienated the entire team. Nobody's talking to him. Everyone's mad at him. He gets back together with his wife. His, his ex-wife, who is engaged to some guy we never see. Yeah, and then she breaks up with him off camera. And it so, kind of just, yeah. that's a little arbitrary, but what are you going to do? Um, and uh, Ginny has it out with her brother, finds out that uh, she's he's not trustworthy. And then she has it out with Amelia, who's like, you really handled this super bad and you're fired. Because Amelia like paid him, paid paid off some of his loans and tried to keep it all from Ginny and just didn't let Ginny make her own mistakes and now Amelia's out. Yeah, she's gone and that's the end of her in the season slash series. She's just on a plane. She's gone. Uh, the brother sure. is off out of the picture uh, and uh, Mike is Mike. Mike is back with his ex-wife, and that's Mike it. Mike's ex-wife, and then it ends with like they they sleep together in a hotel room, and guess who else sleeps in the same hotel a few floors up? Yeah, but Ginny and her dad. Ginny and her her millionaire boyfriend. Yeah, it was really not very interesting. He's not very interesting, and he comes at her super strong, and like they introduce all these new conceits right at the end about mm-hmm. this new video game billionaire who comes on super strong and now has like a boat, and now she has to decide whether she wants to date this rich guy, and. It, she, she, and she's not torn between anything. I don't see no. what the drama is. Just this rich guy's uninteresting fellow yeah. is now getting her involved in a romance, which we don't want to see with Ginny. We don't really care. I don't like, care. At all. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to see. Especially not with. Especially not with him. In fact, I don't care I don't, about him. I don't want to see Ginny's love life at all. Kind of dumb. I, I mean, maybe I, if she was she gay, that would add a little extra like drama to so, it. But like, but, seriously, like if it was her and the waitress, I'd be like, they had chemistry. Yeah, I would actually want to see them. Maybe, but, but like no one else the, has any real chemistry with her except Mark Paul Gosler, and he's more interesting with her as a friend and mentor. Yeah. So the the when we're on the field and when we're dealing with the team dynamic and when the players and the coaches. Uh, and even the agents are all interacting with things that happen that are directly related to the game. Mm-hmm. Pitch is a really good show. Yeah. It's really, really interesting. The in- instant you go into... The soap opera. Uh, the soap opera stuff. All the off-field stuff. All the interpersonal dramas. All the relationships. All the families. It starts to hinder itself. You you realize the show didn't have good ideas of how to present those things, so mm-hmm. we have to do the clunkiest dramatic conceit in the world, the flashback mm-hmm. to communicate over those things. Over and over again. Over and over again. Yeah. Every episode has at least one flashback. And, and it becomes just, a... It, it's a it starts, dead weight. It, it hurts them the more show. than it helps yeah, them. It stops the show the short. The first episode, it was fine because we want to get her on the mound, but we also need to show a little bit of how she got there. Mm. It's fine. fine. They relied fine, on fine. it. They dropped Ghost Dad, mm. but they kept the flashback. Reverse that. <laughs> keep Ghost Dad. That's keep, the solution keep here. Keep Ghost Dad. Well, Ghost Dad's and, and fine. Again, Ghost and Dad's an interesting character. What I really wanted and what I never got was what I kind of got with Mike Paul, Mark Paul Gosselar. Uh-huh. And what I didn't quite get with the waitress or the dad is somebody Ginny could actually confide in. Yeah. Ali Larder was too cold. Mark Paul Gosselar was too close. Uh, Blip and his wife should have been that, but yeah. they were always kind of trapped in their own subplot. Not they really they, they were much. really cut off from the rest of the show in a lot of ways. Yeah, they just feel kind of like dead weight a lot of the time. So, it's a real shame because the actors are both good. And you know, we, we were introduced to a therapist character, which is something we had in Birds of Prey, for God's sake. Yeah, and that's we, yeah, gone that, in an episode. Yeah, so it, it would have been great to have that character come back. So we never really got to see Ginny kind of talk things mm. out, which is what the show needed. Right. Well, I and think... And they kind of hinted at, and so what they tried to do, rather than let her talk things out and let her figure out who she is right now, 
they we just let her know let us know who she was before mm. and that's less relevant to who she is now yeah frankly well because a part at least of the in idea, the, at least in the way it was presented part of the idea is that people want her to be things people mm. expect her to be things people look at her as something that she's not and she doesn't know who she is right now and that's mm. a legitimate plot point it's also really hard to dramatize satisfactorily yeah um, I mean even Shakespeare has trouble with that in Hamlet because a lot <laughs> of it's just about indecision and not knowing what my path yeah. is and what my purpose is uh, well, it's difficult I mean, to be but, fair that's Hamlet <laughs> but Hamlet gets but Hamlet gets at least gets the speechify and soliloquize yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and really get into it Jenny's too busy for any of that I, so it doesn't really function in that way I, I will say I think I, I, I was able to work with some of the soap opera stuff because I expect some of it mm. people are going to sleep together like everything yeah, with Mark Paul right. Gosler and Allie Larder they're fine their subplot didn't really go anywhere but they had good chemistry together and I liked seeing them in scenes mm. there's one scene where they have kind of this really awkward double date where no one knows they're dating each other with Ginny's mom and her new boyfriend and Ginny. Mm-hmm. And they both turn out to be terrible liars, <laughs> but everyone's so distracted by Ginny's mom that no one notices, and mm-hmm. it's actually really funny. So that that part is fine. I can accept some of that. My bigger concern, and we'll talk about the very end of the show in just a second, but my big concern is the reliance on sports movie cliches hmm. is very heavy. It's not entirely reliant on them, but like they, they really do very specific sports movies yeah. as episodes. And they rely... Again, I told you, that twice, twice, two episodes in a row, will the parent show up to see the kid's big game? They really like... I'm, I'm worried I, I, that the sports drama wouldn't only, be that interesting uh, over multiple seasons. Yeah, I, I guess Maybe a right, couple but, more seasons, but is this really going to be 100 episodes of this? Because I don't see it. I, I think it's okay to have that, especially early on, because they're just sort of establishing this world. Mm-hmm. I think they're also really deft about alluding to certain cliches and how we know how they play out. Right. And letting us take for granted that those are going to play out okay while other dramas are taking place. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I think that one was fine. Fair so enough. I, I don't, I don't mind the sport cliches. I don't mind so them either. Much. I worry of, if I over time they them. would get tired. Yeah, yeah that's my well, concern. Yeah. Um, the series ends with Jenny's pitching her no hitter, and then her arm goes out. Like she, she does this daring thing where she throws somebody out at a base and she falls over and her arm goes out. Yeah, exactly. And, and the, 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 the last, last shot, shot is, her, is her, her going into like a cat scan. Yeah, machine. and you don't know if she's ever going to play again. Mm. Now. So there's two things that, that have to do with that. Mm. If there was going to be a season two, she would play again. There isn't she, a season two, so her arm is broken forever, and she <laughs> never a, plays again, really, and that's a pitch end, and that's really sad. It's a really bad cliffhanger. <laughs> that's a really it's, bad one, and it's It's not as bad gone. as Alcatraz, no, but it's bad. It's right up there, because, because, mm. because the fact that we have no other episodes, it creates an, an ending where there really shouldn't have been. It's actually a real downer. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's really sad. And she went into the majors, and now she can't play anymore, and her career is over yeah. the end. We, we talked a little bit about what would happen if it's gone 100 episodes. I think... Mm. Uh, uh, Mark Paul Gosler would have become the coach eventually, yeah. probably sooner than later. I think um, the inexperienced assistant would have taken the Ali Larder role, oh, and Ali Larder yeah. would have turned into sort of a villainess of the show. Well, I think what would happen is I think after like I think Jenny would probably like maybe sit out half a season or something, and then yeah, come like, back in like a big to triumphant get, get back. Like the it, yeah. first episode is she's the first episode of season two mm-hmm. is. The season has started. She's not there. And we think maybe she's given up. And it turns out she's still in training. She doesn't feel like she's ready yet. And, and, oh, and he, everyone keeps telling her she is, but she doesn't feel and, like and it. And here, here's the confidence. drama. She learns to throw left. 
There you go. Yeah, yeah there you go. Mm. It's a good Cinderella Man story. There oh. you go. Uh, Goon, Last of the Enforcers is a similar thing, except he has to learn to punch with his left hand. <laughs> um, so yeah, that works too. Another good sports cliche. Um, I think what would happen is we didn't see them get to like the World Series or anything. Oh, they, so it'd probably be like Major an actual, League. An actual big game. In like episode, season yeah. two, they probably would get to the World Series and mm. that would actually, you know, be relevant. I think by season three, there would be other female players in Major League. Well, I think, I think yeah, that would by, be the by, thing. We see se- other rival players. By season three, we get another, another woman has joined the Padres, and or a rival team, and it becomes so, like a and becomes maybe she, a parallel thing where she has to like live in the shadow of Jenny, even though she's just as good. Or she's like a younger, better hotshot, and Jenny has to realize, oh wait, ball players do age. I'm only 24, but now mm-hmm. there's a 21 year old, and that's you know a decade in baseball. Yeah, I, my thing is this. I Okay, I'm going to say it right now. Mm-hmm. I think pitch was canceled too soon, but I'm not sure how much longer I would wanted it to go. I think it's got maybe mm-hmm. two more really good seasons in it. Maybe the Souls got some of their soap opera flaws, but I, if this went five seasons, I think they'd run out of stuff real fast. I think if, if they had, at the start of episode, the first episode of season two, they had just nailed it. Uh-huh. They had got, come back, they had ignored, like, start, started to push, like, I could see them start to push the soap aside, focus mm-hmm. more on the game and the interplay dynamics, mm-hmm. focus more on Ginny as a character, and really just put their feet on the ground, <laughs> and yeah. not, stop juggling all this other stuff, really just handled the one ball. Yeah. I got it. I would have been okay with that, which means I would have wanted to see at least one more episode, so yes, I think it was canceled too. So. Okay, it sounds like I'm a little more high on this one than you are. I'm, I'm not quite as high on this one because they kept distracting me. It's like as soon as they got something good, they would beat me down with something bad. My thing is, the cast is ridiculously good. The cast is great. Everyone on this show is <laughs> the, really, really great. The acting is great. It's yeah. the writing where it suffers. And the writing isn't even that bad. It's just they keep falling on these kind of cheap, dramatic tricks mm. uh, rather than kind of letting the show become something kind of new and I wonder how much of that is the network kind of telling them what TV can be yeah. it, because they, it here's, gets real conventional very quick here's what they needed to do they don't air it as theirs on Fox air it on Fox Sports yeah. or ESPN well I guess that's a Disney network but air it on a sport network yeah. so the show can actually be a little bit more sport oriented but the because problem I think that, that is, was the most interesting part of the show but the problem with that is and that happened with another cancel to show, soon show we're going to do at some point I think it was, uh, was it Game Changers is that what it was Game Day, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was, yeah we have it. Is we just don't have it in front of us. Right. Um, and there was a show about the NFL, but it didn't always make the NFL look good. So the NFL didn't like it being on oh, ESPN. Oh, I guess you're right. That's the problem: is you can't get they, they too had... ne- you can't run the risk of being negative, mm-hmm. and so it would have to be celebratory, and that would potentially neutralize a lot of the drama. Yeah, that's true. Ma- Major League Baseball did help produce this. I'm surprised it got canceled, frankly, because it was really well, really acclaimed. The Everyone class, liked it. The class was great. Uh, and sponsorship is easy in a situation like this. If you're filming at Petco Park, mm-hmm. you just put the ads on the screen. You show a baseball game as it is, over-advertised, and you're getting sort of secondary advertising through all of this. You would think with the the league behind you and with all this free, well, not free, but all of this advertising easily acquirable, that the show would find enough just money mm-hmm. behind it that it could keep on going even if the numbers aren't necessarily there. Uh, it was really critically acclaimed, like I said. Critics loved it right out of the gate. Everybody loved a lead actress. Everybody liked the characters. It was kind of a shock that it got canceled. And I can see why. I don't love it. 
But I wish there had been just a tiny bit more. Playmakers was the show I was thinking. Playmakers, of. Was on ESPN. Yeah, stop! I, I stop texting us. Stop yeah. writing the email. Kylie Bunbury. Playmakers. Kylie Bunbury is really great. She's great. Uh, she's going to go on to other great yeah. things, I'm sure. I I was the unaware. Real revelation for me was Mark Paul Gosselaar. And it's interesting because you look at his career. He's one of those actors who you'd think after Saved by the Bell they'd be like. Eh, whatever happened to Mark Paul Gosselaar? He's been working steadily. He's been in a ton of shows. He was on NYPD Blue for a while. He's just never really, like, brought his name back into the spotlight. Mm-hmm. But he's been working very, very consistently. And I just haven't been, seen him. And he's clearly been honing his craft. He's because good. he's playing a really interesting character very well. I think uh, when the time comes for next year's Cancel Too Soon Awards, we're going to be seeing a lot. A Mark Paul Gosselin. <laughs> I think so. That's a that's a prediction. But we'll see how the rest of the year goes. And we'll see how uh, the next episode goes. Unfortunately, we have to cut it short. We don't have time to read any uh, letters because you have to go somewhere. I have to go somewhere. You have yeah, to go so. somewhere. You have to pick up your kid. But that's okay. <laughs> uh, so next episode on the uh, September season... The 2016-2017 theme month. We need to come up with a name for that. Send us uh, send us your ideas for ideas for the name of this theme month. Because we're okay. going to do this every year. How about new, Newly Dead 2017? That's a terrible title. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> the Rigor Mortis episode. Yeah. Well, what's, what's the opposite of pilot season? I don't know. Crash yeah. landing season. Co-pilot season? I don't know. Uh, that, that's not the opposite. That's just another pilot. <laughs> well, I guess you're That's right. not how that works. Uh, but next week, we're going to be doing uh, a, a show that... Uh, we had to be convinced was real. <laughs> we were just like, is this, seemed, is this an actual? It seemed like a satire. It seemed like it was a joke. It. And, and it, it came and went without us really knowing about it until we were researching. And well, what happened was around May, we were just hearing about all these shows are getting canceled. We're just keeping a running tally. Mm. And then we found out this show, Imaginary Mary, got canceled. I'm like, what the hell was that? And then we watched the trailer. I'm like, oh shit, we this, have to this, review this. This is getting on the show immediately. Because it's Jenna Elfman in Drop Dead Fred, the series. But drop in that her her imaginary friend yes. comes back to her adult life to give her newly new advice, but it, it's a CGI creation. Yeah, it looks like an it looks like a like it looks a like, grotesque Pillsbury Doughboy. It looks like O from that movie Home, like that that little <laughs> that little purple critter with the gap teeth yeah, and the it's, tentacles. It's, yeah, it's, it's it looks really misguided. For all we know, it's great. We have to give it a fair shot. But, but my God, it's a one camera sitcom, no laugh track about Jenna Elfman dealing with her. CGI imaginary friend in modern day. Also, uh, and it was not made in 1987. Right. Also, later next week we will finally catch up to Doubt. Yes, we have to catch up to Doubt. We're gonna do a du- we're gonna pull a double. And Imaginary Mary, fortunately, isn't a very long show, <laughs> so, we'll, so we'll we're have gonna have the time. time. We we'll have the time. So we're gonna double up. It's gonna be a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, they'll be more or less on time. But we'll 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 do the best we can. We're gonna try to pack September as full of goodness as we can. Also, we want to remind you that not only are we on Patreon.com slash Cancelled Too Soon, mm-hmm. where you can uh, subscribe and give us money to help us uh, keep the show afloat, buy new series. Even, even, even like a buck a month oh, is, is Well, great. five bucks a month gets you exclusive stuff. Five bucks a month gets you stuff, but yeah. a buck a month mean, mm-hmm. means you're still supporting us and we appreciate it. And we would it, love you so. for that. So for But for five dollars a month, you get to get a bonus episode of the podcast. This month it's going to be Gulliver's Travels, the miniseries yep. uh, from the 90s. A lot of people remember it very fondly. We'll see if it holds up. Uh, and you also get to vote uh, for one episode of the show every single month. It is chosen by our Patreon mm-hmm. subscribers. And the poll is still open. It is still super close. So we're going to keep it open one more week. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of subscribers who actually haven't voted yet. It's like a little less than, like around like 30% of them haven't even voted yet. Right. So they still have time. Uh, and your options are APB, about a billionaire who buys a police precinct and makes that okay. 
Yeah, I saw RoboCop. That turns out great, but all right. It's RoboCop without the irony. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Conviction, starring Haley Atwell as Mm -hmm. a hard-drinking former first daughter who becomes a lawyer. Uh, Choose that because Haley Atwell. Well, everyone likes Haley Atwell. She's really, really talented. (laughs) Uh, Then there's Frequency, which is about uh, time travel ham radio cops. Based on the movie. Based on the movie about time travel ham radio cops. And Rush Hour, which is also based on a movie, which is about Rush Hour. It's actually not about Rush Hour, Strange. <laughs> it has nothing to do has with nothing it. to do with Rush Hour. <laughs> uh, but it's an East meets West buddy yeah. cop story. Um, it's a buddy cop series. And uh, yeah, so we'll do one of those in September. We'll keep that. Uh, we'll get that poll alive for one more week. Give you an opportunity because right now it's really close. It's really neck and neck. Like a couple of votes, and it goes a completely different direction. So it should be interesting. So thank you very very much for listening. Uh, we will be back with more stuff. Uh, pretty not soon just, not just stuff but stuff 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 there's a lot uh, in that word uh, again we're on patreon.com slash cancel too soon we're on twitter at canceled cast if you want to email us with suggestions for shows do you remember watching some of the shows we watched how did you feel about pitch did you watch pitch are you still mad about it were you one of the people who requested it from us how did we do tell us <laughs> what we got wrong about it tell us what we got right about it that'd be neat too that's canceled too soon at gmail.com uh, if you listen to us on stitcher or itunes take a moment give us a star rating a quick review yeah, that, that helps a lot that costs you nothing and it still helps us it helps so, us yeah. enormously it, it, like, yeah. as, as, as I say every time you leave a review it kind of pushes us up on like sort of the, the auto-populate list in those systems. And more and people, more, and more people can find us. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I'm on Twitter at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And that's a wrap, folks. We'll see you next season. <laughs>